Diesel Pop, Season 3, Episode 1. Hello and welcome to Tea Pop. My name is Laura and joining me today to talk about developing listening skills in the classroom is Matina Gatsu. Matina is working as a teacher training manager at EF Teach Online. She's been teaching since 2007 and has experience in curriculum and content development, academic and non-academic training, as well as management. She's especially interested in teaching language skills effectively, particularly when preparing students for language exams or other major events in their lives. Thank you very much for your time and welcome to the show. It's lovely to be here. Thanks for inviting me, Laura. Developing listening skills is a topic you're passionate about, but I think it's worth us starting with the question of why did you choose this, though, as your topic for the podcast? Yeah, I'm very passionate about teaching listening skills in ESL environments. I feel like it's one of those skills that is generally neglected when we teach, um, even in our pre-service courses or even postgraduate courses, actually, and textbooks. We tend to think that this is a skill that will naturally develop. Uh, but that is actually not true. There are so many different uh, purposes for listening. There's so many different roles a listener can take. So many reasons why we listen. Listening is an ephemeral process. Uh, we can't really track it. We can't really monitor it. We can't really see what's happening in our learners' brains. We can pay attention to reactions when they're listening and for the re different reasons why they're listening. We can pay attention to how they're responding to different tasks. And that is kind of the starting point. That is where we start saying, okay, now I know where they're at and I need to figure out where they go next. Thinking about the actual classroom itself, what sort of things can teachers do within lessons to develop listening? I think it really depends on the reason why the, the students would be listening. So if, for example, my learners are trying to listen for general meaning, which is another sub-skill that is a little bit underdeveloped, I would definitely try to get them to listen to information without focusing on every single word. Mm -hmm. And that can be quite counterintuitive for second language learners. I know when I was growing up and when I was learning English, my my instinct was to just try to understand every single word. Um, and that is not always good. Sometimes we listen to understand the context of a discussion, uh, especially if we don't have to respond to it and we just need to figure out what the general meaning of it is, what the general background or context is, was to have them listen to a talk and then write in a piece of paper just listen to it once and write on a piece of paper in one sentence, what was this talk about? And then fold that piece of paper, give it to the next person, and they have to write what they think it was about. And then the next one and the next one. And if you do it in a group of four, and then they just unfold the paper and they see kind of like the, their different answers, the different responses, and they, they can kind of tell, oh, okay, this is a keyword you use. I also use the keyword. Then it must be one of the general aspects of what the talk was about. And they can identify what we mean by general meaning and not the specific information or every single word of the talk. That's a really interesting activity that reminds me of uh, think, pair, share. So by getting the learners to think and then write down on paper what their interpretation is and then come together as a group, that's like the pairing, isn't it? Before sharing as a class. I imagine that pairing really helps them to co-construct the meaning of what they're deducting from the, the listening task itself. And therefore you kind of create like a little support group of them talking about what they heard, those keywords and things and justifying. It could be quite a rich conversation. And I think it's this co-construction that 
also comes into play as a as a reflection activity to actually reflect on how they listened what they listened to what exactly they heard and just trying to make sense of all of that in mm-hmm. the foreign language that they're learning I do something similar like that in my classes so, so the example you gave is like summarize in your own words what the what's happening in this audio Um, I've done other things that are similar to that where I've given them maybe three choices, a scaffolding. So I'd ask them, do you think it's about this, this or this? What kind of words do you think are going to come up if it's A, B or C? So I've given them a bit more of a prediction kind of lead in to brainstorm and set them up if they need a little bit more scaffolding and support. Have you tried something like that where you may have learners that may be uh, a little bit hesitant or maybe the, the audio you've chosen is going to challenge them? So you need to put some steps in before the gist to kind of get that activation of schemata. Yes, I think you would need to have that anyway because and depending on your learners' ages, it may be unfamiliar to them. So um, to activate their background knowledge, their schemata is definitely um, the way to do it. And scaffolding really, really helps. I think the activity that you described is great. Giving them um, a choice or perhaps um, having them showing them a picture or a video and kind of trying to predict what it's going to be about, uh, predicting what kind of words or phrases are going to come up after you've set the context for them. That can also help when they're actually listening and they go, oh yeah, I, I, I predicted this word, I heard it. Yeah, so that kind of helps them prepare them kind of for what's coming. So we've talked about listening for gist or general meaning is another way to say it. And it's usually quite simple. It's just deducting what is it about, what's happening. So it's a summary, it's a simple question, it's a A, B or C, something just very big picture. But what about when you want to then move on from the big picture to the finer details? What sort of activities or tasks would you set up then? So uh, yeah, second language learners would definitely intuitively try to listen for specific words and they would be able to mostly identify specific information, but that doesn't mean always that they can respond to a task, depending on what the task is. If it's an exam task, I'm going to say it again, um, it, it is a very, very helpful if they try to predict what type of word they're going to hear, what type of speech, uh, Is it going to be a noun, a verb, an adjective that is going to be missing? If it's a gap fill uh, exercise, for instance. So this this kind of, again, kind of predicting what is going to come um, and the language awareness and understanding that comes with it really, really help when you're listening for specific information. Another thing that comes to mind when, when we talk about listening for specific information is something actually that you mentioned earlier is that um, sometimes you tend to feel like you have to play the same track for them again and again and again and actually if you are training them training your learners to listen for specific information that's a very valid strategy to follow that kind of intensive listening that comes with it is very very useful another activity that you can try when you're trying to train your learners To listen for specific information would be uh, the dictogloss activity that mm-hmm. we all love. So uh, choose a short paragraph, depending on your learner's level. A sentence or two sentences might even do for beginner students, for instance, or elementary students. And just read it out or play to them again and again and again and again until they can write it down verbatim. And obviously, co-construction can come into play here as well. Uh, but I, I can tell you for sure that this is an activity that is going to help them just really, really focus 
their full attention, their everything on what they're listening. And this is going to just raise the, the level of, of cognition and metacognition of the listening process as well. I know it did it for me. Uh, because I can remember when I was little and there was no internet back then and every time I heard a song in English I would take a cassette tape, I would record it and I would listen to it again and again and again and again until I could write down all of the lyrics and I did that because it was really fun but I can say a hundred percent, I'm a hundred percent sure this just developed my listening skills too. You can pause between those replays, right? But you need to do something different between just playing again, right? Co-constructing, check with your partner. What did you hear? What did you not hear? What do you need to listen out for the next time? Do you need to listen to the whole thing? Or is it just a specific thing that you want me to play? Is it that that chorus line, for example, that first chorus line, because there's a word in there you're not too sure about, or there's some really interesting connecting speech happening there that you want me just to play that again to, to really get that specific thing down. I remember doing that with my university students where they struggled with, um, what do you call it, elision, assimilation yeah. happening in the, quite a few of the lines. So they didn't need to listen to the, the prior um, verses. It was a few lines from the chorus that we did play a few times and they were able from that to kind of co-construct and have a really good guess on what the singer was saying. And they got quite close in the accuracy as a result. And they found it very um, motivating result because they could see they were getting closer and closer to the answer. That's what it is, exactly, yeah. That's a, a very valid way of kind of showing progress uh, where they're just going closer and closer to the meaning and getting better and better. And at the same time, if they don't get it 100% right, that's a teaching opportunity, isn't mm -hmm. it? It's right there. You take that phrase and you teach them uh, what they don't know. Because obviously, if they just absolutely don't know something, it may be difficult to identify it in listening. So yeah, you, you take it as a learning opportunity and you teach it to them and then next time, hopefully they will recognize it. It's really good that we've talked about it in this order, just, and then de detail. And I think that's a point just to emphasize to, to teachers that it's really important to do a gist task first to in make sure that students understand the general meaning of what's happening, the context, you know, the main conversation or whatever it is they're listening to, if it's a song, for example, before they do the specifics, the listening for detail. Else otherwise, if you dive straight into listening for detail, you'll have to backpedal most likely anyway. Or your learners are going to be really overwhelmed trying to comprehend the general overall meaning of the audio and also listen out for those specifics too, which is just I mean, it's really difficult to do. 100%, yeah. You need to, to, to set the context and listening for general meaning sets the context very well for them. So we talked about um, why listening's important to focus on and some different ways in which to do it at just and detail stages. Obviously, there's some common challenges that can come up and we've talked about a few of these already, but are there any other challenges that really come to mind when you think about facilitating a listening activity in class and how you overcome those? I think the number one challenge that comes to mind that I've heard from learners, well, around Europe and Asia alike, is that we can't understand this accent. And they focus so much on that, on the fact that the accent is a bit uh, foreign or a bit difficult to understand, that they just completely miss the task that they're supposed to be listening um, and respond to. Um, so yes, yeah, it is difficult, I completely agree, and it does depend on what kind of accent it is, and of course you get regional accents as well, but there are definitely ways to, to overcome it. So if it's a British or American accent, I would say generally 
learners tend to be a bit more familiar with them because they're everywhere. They're in movies, they're in songs, um, they, they just are exposed to these accents a bit more. But if it's a New Zealand accent, an Australian accent, or, or any accent from anywhere else in the world, really. Yeah, even uh, speakers of English, they speak as a second language. Absolutely. So they ha- may have an accent that's very different to what the learners are accustomed to, right? Absolutely. And one way to, to familiarize uh, them with this accent is to just show them what are the differences. So for example, um, an Australian accent, someone speaking um, in an Australian accent, they would pronounce certain vowels different to someone from an accent that they would be more familiar with. So we, we isolate these sounds, we show them how they correlate, how they might be expecting them to change, we brainstorm words together, and then once they start listening, then they they can start predicting, oh, okay, oh, I heard, I'm not going to pretend I can, I can do an Australian <laughs> accent. <laughs> I heard um, rain being pronounced in a different way. <laughs> um, so, but I can imagine from the context, this is probably the word. So uh, just raising their awareness of, of what to expect um, is really, really helpful. How do you keep learners motivated with that though? Because often that frustration, that could be quite a blocker to address in class. I would say generally, um, I found that learners are quite happy to work on different accents and I haven't had any learners who, who are quite, I suppose, skeptical about this fact. But in general, I do try to, to, to show them that whatever they're learning has real life applications. Um, So I would generally just try to relate it back to to real life tasks and say, okay, have you ever had, or will you ever have, I don't know, the the opportunity to to speak with someone from, of that accent, to speak to someone who speaks with that accent, for example, or have you ever seen a movie from the country that has that accent, or just something that is going to, to make them feel like what they're doing does not just stay within the, the compounds of the classroom, whether that's physical or online. We're all speaking online and there's so many obstacles, I suppose, to, to having online meetings when you can't hear very well, when the internet connectivity breaks and you have to be able to respond in real time. All of these additional kind of obstacles have been introduced. So listening has become more crucial than ever, especially when you have to respond in real time. If you have a question or a topic that you'd like to pitch for the podcast, then you can contact us via the website, tesolpop.com. And finally, if you love what we do at Tesolpop, then please subscribe to the podcast on Apple or Spotify. Write a review on these sites or on Facebook and share the content with your teaching community. Music.